0: Welcome to another episode of State of the Franchise. I am Tom Stadler here with my lovely co-host, Fred Dakin. Fred, how are you doing today?
1: Doing great. I'm feeling lovely.
0: Feeling lovely. Mm -hmm. How's the weather outside? I know you just walked in from out there.
1: It's really cold and I'm still (laughs) wearing my shorts. I've noticed like through quarantine, I just switched to all basketball shorts, but nothing long. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's breezy out there.
0: Yeah, it definitely felt... A little chilly. Oh, I did go out earlier today. Yeah, you're right. I give you props for being the guy who's like, I'm in shorts until it snows or whatever. <laughs> <gonna be>. Definitely. <laughs> no, it's uh it's definitely getting cold out. We're hitting the, the winter season here, but we're just heating up with this podcast. We're mm-hmm. we're keeping it keeping it coming. The content's coming out hot here.
1: It's warm in here. It's like electric.
0: Yeah. We actually had to turn down the heat a little bit earlier today because it was just becoming like scalding after trying to turn it up to keep this place like warm
1: after our guests got here and just heated up because (laughs) it was ready you know it's a special time we've got one of our favorite people here
0: that's exactly it hello would you like to introduce yourself mystery guest
1: hello i'm dan yes this is exciting we got dan in the house dan pappas
2: right pappas yeah
1: i always like I have
0: to get it, like, in my head because I have, like, papas fritas, like, from my Spanish class days.
2: Yep, yep. Papas, uh, like, potatoes, and then also every Greek restaurant, it's always papas and not pappas. I don't know <laughs> why we're pappas and everyone else is pappas. Uh, I respond to almost anything. If it's close enough, I'm like, yeah, that's me. Okay. <laughs> but if it is pappas. It is pappas. Okay. Well. Everyone wants to call me Dankin.
1: They Dankin? wanna put they wanna Dankin. They wanna put that N right in the middle. <laughs> but there's no Danken or Darken? Darken? hmm I just think people don't want to believe
2: it's Daken like Bacon. See, I just always thought it was Daken. Which yeah. isn't as awful, because I'm not adding letters. I'm just, just pronouncing the A wrong. hmm It's the band, right? Daken? Is there a band name? I don't know the band.
0: the 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 band Dawkins, like in my dreams, it's still the same. Your love is strong; it still remains. No, none of you guys.
1: <laughs> no, I've never even heard of that. I know <laughs> there's the snowboarding Dawkins. I don't know if that's how that's pronounced. It's Dawkins oh. with the e.
0: Yep, I do know who that is. Before
1: we move from this tangent, I am going to say my brother is Kevin Dakin, and we have gotten Kevin Bacon mail. Not like fan mail, we haven't opened it, but we have seen like junk mail for Kevin Bacon. That's amazing.
0: But is it bacon like Kevin Bacon, the actor, or is it bacon like you're baking a cake?
1: It's bacon like the actor, B-A-C-O-N. That's perfect. I love that. I don't know how it happens.
0: (laughs) It's. I mean, you get these people who probably aren't paying attention, or maybe they're just willing it into being. Um, anyway, as I mentioned, we this is State of the Franchise, the podcast that talks about franchises from restaurant chains to video games, like we will be talking today. Uh, we're breaking it down to talk about the highlights, the lowlights, what we wish they had done differently, and ultimately what are our favorite things about it. And we're happy to have Dan here today to talk to us about the video game franchise Crash Bandicoot. This is one that, Fred, you've been very excited to talk about.
1: Crash is one of my guys, you know? Like, we grew up together. We grew up. (laughs) I spent a lot of time... I spent more time with Crash Bandicoot than most of my friends, I think. You think so? Okay, because I definitely
0: (laughs) had that feeling, too, growing up of, like, nobody else really had Crash or had that relationship with Crash. So, for those of you who are less familiar with the story of Crash Bandicoot, or really the premise of the whole games altogether... Uh, it follows Crash, who is a literal like anthropomorphic bandicoot, sort of like a wombat of sorts, but more Australian, if you want to even give it that perspective, as he works to prevent uh, Doctor Neocortex's plans for world domination. Who uh, also kidnapped Crash's girlfriend Tana, who is a female bandicoot. Uh, what we find out uh, throughout the game is that Cortex actually genetically created both of these two bandicoots and so crash is kind of an escaped experiment and so that's uh throughout the first game just following crash through those adventures
1: then there were two more sequels that follow crash through islands space through time through water on motorcycles crash takes every terrain with hops, skips, and spins and tries to track down the evil Dr. Cortex.
0: So, did I completely miss this whole thing that Cortex made Crash Crash?
2: Oh, yeah. Is that in the first game? Yeah, that is like the, the cutscene that describes it and Crash Gets Away. So, Cortex was testing and he had a... The, the Cortex Vortex is, is what the machine is called. Of course. Um... <laughs> And it, it is designed to create hyper-intelligent animals. Wow. Uh, and so that is why Ripper Roo exists, why Koala Kong exists. Uh, realistically, those are the only two animals you fight in the first one. Ah, uh, Pinstripe. Because he's technically, because like, he's, I don't know how to actually pronounce it, but because that's another animal, like a potaroo or yeah. whatever it's pronu- however it's pronounced. Okay. okay. So, like... He used the Cortex Vortex to make these things, and Crash was supposed to be his general for his army of super intelligent uh, animals. And the something goes wrong with the Cortex Vortex, which I don't know if you want spoilers or not. <laughs> We've spoiled it. Go ahead. Well, in Crash Four, one of the final levels in the game, you are going through Cortex's castle in 1996 like the uh, year that you're visiting is 1996 which is hilarious to mm-hmm. me and crash 4 crash is you know paradoxically i guess is the one and and kind of at the same time crash 4 cortex is the one who screws up things for the original Cortex back in 1996, which causes the machine to malfunction, which instead of making Crash super smart, makes him super dumb, <laughs> uh, because that's just kind of one of the things. Crash is dumb. right? Um, and so the machine malfunctions and Crash escapes uh, because of events that they, in theory, retcon in where modern Crash and Cortex going back in time using entropies. You know, the, the rifts in time that he's making are the ones who set the whole thing in motion and prevent Crash from becoming evil to begin with. Wow. So uh, there, there's some deep Crash lore for yeah, you, I yeah. guess.
0: Yeah. Now, Dan, as our, as our subjectmatic expert this week... What's some of your experience, first of all, with Crash Bandicoot, the franchise, but maybe just in general, like video games? Like, were you a Sega kid that turned into a Sony
2: kid, or what's your Yeah, I want to tag onto that question. What were your first systems and all that? First system ever was a PlayStation 1. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Perfect guest. Yeah, I mean, being... I was born in 93. PlayStation 1 came out in, what, 95? 94?
0: So, PlayStation itself launched in September nineteen ninety five where so that was a full year before Crash Bandicoot
2: did come out then in nineteen ninety six. In fact one year prior. So I was three mm-hmm. when when it came out and Crash Bandicoot was the first game that we had for it. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, eventually I moved on to, you know, having handhelds with uh you know with a classic Game Boy color. Uh but I've been a PlayStation guy the entire time. I've never had an Xbox, never had an N64, Really? Uh, no Segas. I've never owned any of those uh, systems. It has always, oh, I take that back, I did have a Wii. Mm. We did have a Wii uh, when that came out in 2006. We did have that. Uh, But other than that, and handhelds, uh, Game Boy, I had a Game Boy Advance, the SP, uh, DS, 3DS, all of that stuff. Had those, but never had a sit-down Nintendo system before the Wii. Wow. Uh, So I didn't grow up playing any of those classic games. Like, you know, Mario's cool, doesn't have a nostalgic... Uh, you know, part of my, in my heart. So it was all Sony all the way. I still love Sony products and, and all of that. And so the, the Sony systems now, you know, if only I could get my hands on a PlayStation five, I'd be a little <laughs> bit happier, Um, but I am happy with uh, Sony. And that's probably going to be a lifelong thing yeah. at, I, at this point.
0: I, what I want to know though, Dan, so you have, had just nothing but playstations as far as consoles outside of wii so you don't have like a series x you don't have a switch or anything now
2: i've been looking at getting a switch i mm-hmm. haven't done it okay fred are you a switch owner i want to
1: get a switch um and i think this will tie into a lot of what we're going to talk about today i'm kind of in a point in my life like i don't game as much as i used to mm-hmm. and now when i game i'll like think of like the games i have downloaded right now like red dead redemption or the last of us or assassin's creed these are games that are just not like how the games they were before these are like really involved games and it just feels like a chore to kind of get back into games Uh and i want that sort of just like turn on and play ability that i think that's what nintendo still does great like you can just throw on the switch and like play and kind of zone out I feel games today are so intense that it's, like, kind of a chore, picking games and all that. I mean, it, it is. I, I honestly, I, so I
0: just finished Hades recently.
2: I have been playing
0: the absolute shit out of
2: Hades. It's wonderful, isn't it? It is one of the best games I have played in a very long time. It's so much fun. And
1: you're playing it on a PS4?
2: I am playing the okay. PS4 port. Okay. I didn't
1: know if that's something I could look into because you talked about it, and I know you yep. have a PS5, but now I'm kind of intrigued if you've been playing it.
0: Yeah. Oh. I think it's it's on. I think it's actually all consoles now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So because it, it was a Switch exclusive, and mm-hmm. then it went into I think yeah both PS4 and uh, X-Bone, and then now Series X and PS5. But yeah, that game I never thought I like a, a roguelike game like that. Like I've always seen that stuff online. I'm like, this looks boring as hell. I'll never enjoy it. And wow, it's outstanding.
2: The the art style in just the art style alone mm-hmm. is is worth playing through at least once. And the the satisfaction of getting to the end and you know hitting the in win number ten when you get the you know ending A, if you will, because mm-hmm. there's a true ending later. Um, you know, having, having those moments. It's like, whoa, holy shit, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, and I have been looking at uh on Amazon for like a I've been looking at liars, like oh, fuck, that'd be cool as hell like oh, well, I'm just buy a liar gosh. like w- why not? you know it's 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 like a harp. it can' be that hard to figure out. Uh, so I might buy like an eighty ninety dollar liar just to have one. <laughs> Go back to my Greek roots, you know uh, I'm a good Greek boy well why? Why shouldn't I call pronounce his name Pappus instead mm-hmm. of Pappus? Well, it was Pappus Constantinus, so it all flows together. It makes <laughs> sense. I got to play this game to know what you, you
1: figure out what a liar is. Ooh, I'm yeah. excited. Don't tell me. I, I yeah. want to figure it out myself when I play this Hades.
0: I will just say if you have not been too familiar with like Greek mythology, even if it's just like just barely like learning it i would definitely recommend just doing a little bit of reading just to kind of get
1: who some of these people are but well i've seen like disney's hercules quite
2: a few times you'll be
0: all set then
2: so (laughs) does james woods reprise the role in hades uh he most certainly does not no this hades is a little bit more intimidating than james Woods. have you seen
1: james woods twitter (laughs) i think i saw james wood's
0: twitter and then i was like i need to mute james wood's twitter (laughs) he is too much
1: so tom not to call you out you're like the elder statesman of the group i guess i just heard him say 93 and i was like yeah i got asked did you have like pre n64 playstation systems um
0: yeah so i did i had a playstation one So my first system was actually a Sega Genesis. Mm. Yeah. I spent a lot of time kind of like you had never really owned a Nintendo growing up, unless you're talking like Game Boy, Game Boy advanced, all that. But yeah. So like when I was like five, I remember going to like Sam's club and trying Sonic the Hedgehog on a trial. They had it on this big screen because they were trying to show off their TVs and their system at the same time. It's like, Here's Sega Genesis, and here's Sonic, and I was watching somebody play this, and I just remember being like, this is unbelievable, because it was better than (laughs) NES at that point. Like, it was heads and tails, you know, not knowing that Super Nintendo was, like, hot on its heels, basically, around the same time, and so, yeah, I got that. That, I mean, I I love the Sega Genesis. My parents sold it at a rummage sale without even telling me they did that. I was heartbroken, (laughs) because I would have loved to have had that still, but... Yeah, I mean and what actually ushered it out was the fact that I did get a PlayStation right when that came out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I was a Sony guy for a long time until the GameCube and then <laughs> the Cube started cross cross populating what all my systems <laughs> between that and um Xbox 360, then back to PlayStation 4 and then it's just I
1: don't Yeah, know. that's I feel a lot of people do that path because that's the exact thing I did and in- Like, for my family, my mom, I had an older brother, and I know he was always wanting, like, a Nintendo, Super Nintendo, and they held off, but, like, once they broke down and got us an N64, the floodgates opened, and then, like, the next year or whatever, we got a PlayStation, and after that, it was pretty easy street to get anything like that, but it took a while to get that initial system. Sure.
0: Was N64 your first one, then? That was
1: my first. Wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. and. That's the one, like, I'm very... It's sad to hear that you didn't, like, grow up then 64 because I think that might be my favorite system, like, yeah. it's hard to compare systems, because they've gotten better, you know, of course, but, like, I definitely have the most fondness, but I'm also a very, like, nostalgic person to a fault,
0: so, Sure. Like, so, when you got that PlayStation, then, you were, like, all over Crash Bandicoot, and, like...
1: That's about, because, like... We would get the systems, too, but then I guess it was kind of an arm twist to get games for it. Mm. I do remember going to KB Toys or Toys R Us, like, back when they would have it, like, they would have the games behind glass, and you'd have to get, like, the little ticket or whatever. I remember going with my grandmother when they had a sale, and literally all the games I wanted were Crash Bandicoot 1 and 2, and I didn't want anything else. Like I didn't want to diversify. I was like, this is my guy. I'm going hard on it. (laughs) And I think it was because it was very similar to the Mario 64 style where it's like different levels. I mean, there's not as much to do in Crash. It's kind of like you have just one objective. But it was that same style worlds that were different. You know, kick-ass music. Yeah, the music is actually very
0: catchy. It's stuff Mm -hmm. that like I I, when you were showing us that video earlier with you listening to the song, I'm like, you can just kind of like bop out to this thing a little bit. And it's pretty Mm -hmm. fun. Um Dan, what was so what was your experience then so you started with Crash did you keep like getting the games did you buy them or would you like just rent them or what was your kind of journey with it
2: Uh they were purchased for me Okay uh so I you know at least for Crash Bandicoot 1 2 3 and then moving on to the PlayStation 2 for the much disliked Wrath of Cortex Mhm um Well, and honestly, even the ones beyond that, if there was a Crash game, because I had such a passion for them, mm-hmm. those were always purchased. We rented games, you know, we'd go to Blockbuster and, and rent games every once in a while and I would try new things. But it was always, this game was purchased, I think Crash Bandicoot must have come in a bundle with the... PlayStation One, and that's why we had it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to, to begin with. And it was just phenomenal. And and I remember so vividly that experience of starting a new game and just hearing him scream the 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 whoa. And then the wood comes flying up from the background yeah. and then the crash bandicoot flies in on top of that. Uh, And then the thing that was, I think, most incredible uh, was the the if you left it long enough, the the demo sequence just picked up and he basically just turned around and started going. Yeah. And and I think that just from a from a perspective of looking at games now and the technology and what they kind of had in ninety five or so when that game came out Mm -hmm. or early ninety six. Um, that's just in, incredible that they were able to do that, and um, you know, and, and I loved when you start actually started the new game and you go into, you know, level one one there insanity beach or insanity beach however you wanna <laughs> say it. Um, it always start you know the your first playthrough, you know, the first time you're going into that level, it always starts with the cutscene of Crash. Lying face down in the sand and getting up and spinning himself out, and then you just you know get into it, and that was just just so memorable and that first level is so memorable. I could probably to this day on you know on an original PlayStation one, navigate through that level with my eyes closed. yeah, I have gone through that. <laughs> so many countless times. Uh, it's just, just incredible.
0: Absolutely. No, I, I definitely had a similar experience too. And I wanted to kind of jog back to what you were even saying about it, Fred, because I felt like after I got that PlayStation for Christmas, like my parents were very much like, okay, you just got this, all this stuff. We're not spending money on new games, play what you got. And it's like, all I basically had was crash bandicoot. It's kind of like you, or it's like, you know you spent so much time doing the same levels over and over again that that first level is like it is ingrained in your brain where it's like and it it felt so cutting edge at the time too where you're going through the obstacles and you're like jumping through the the you know the crates and everything and it was like whoa, like you know when you hit it in Mario it just goes brown done you move on to the next block right but now it's like okay the thing explodes and there's just like it has like its own certain effects it just was like it, it's it, a total mind blower for the time yeah it's it was great um that first yeah the level really introduced us all to the 3d environment of like games like that you know like for comparison though super mario came out actually two months before crash bandicoot did so super mario 64 i'm talking about which that's very close. or I'm sorry. It was actually same month North, North America. Oh, wow. Two months prior in Japan. So that's, that's a big shift in the video game market, if you guys think about it. And it's impossible to imagine now.
1: Mm-hmm. Or like, because they would have like the side scroll style for like bonus maps, but mm-hmm. you could also like run off the side of it, which was like totally new because before it was just left or right. Mm -hmm. And I think it was a great game for kind of taking the old style of games, which is very much like the side scrolling, very frustrating, Mm -hmm. because that's the thing I always think about. Like, I didn't have Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega. And when you go back and play those games, they're frustratingly hard. And I feel they really came into their own with like Mario and Crash Bandicoot because it had that level of frustration and kind of the timing things right. But I didn't want to throw my controller across the room. I mean, there were times. Yeah. yeah. But um, And it's also kind of reflective of, like, what kids are into. Because Mario, I feel, is, like, kind of mass appeal in a sense. Mm-hmm. But Crash's, like, got attitude. He's, like, Nickelodeon. <laughs> he wears boxer shorts. You know, he's got the baggy jeans. Like, he seems like... He kind of reminds me of a successful version of... What's the dog thing from um, The Simpsons? where they make poochie oh yeah yeah i feel like he is like a step away from being just like this guy's a tool because he's just trying to be so cool but like it totally (laughs) worked for me like i wanted to be like crash i did a paper like in one of my science classes in elementary school about the bandicoot when we could pick any animal oh my gosh that's and i remember it was like boring as shit because like bandicoots are like little rodent things and like everyone's like doing papers on lions and cool elephants and stuff like that and i was like i did it on the bandicoot y'all know why that was like when i showed up as an archaeologist for career day but really it was like no i'm just indiana jones (laughs) listen all
0: kids should feel like they could be indiana jones so you were you were very justified in that It's funny, though, you guys are talking about like that feeling of like making a cool character, because I feel like there was something about that, almost like the counterculture of Nintendo in the mid 90s. And I was uh, just remembering this documentary I saw on Netflix called High Score, which is like all about the history of like video games, like how we got from, you know, like Atari and like arcades all the way to now. And there's a whole interesting episode about the rise of Sega Genesis and how Sega was really trying to be the counter Nintendo by like, we're going to be the cool kids like system. Like you're going to be the the dude who's got like a skateboard, you know, and like you wear baggy jeans and all that. And it's just like there's like creating like a culture on the system. And I think that is kind of what Sony was trying to do, too. And it's, it's just very interesting to think that like, yeah, they even built a character that was like very representative of like we want these like. Skater kids kind of like outside the lines, you know, the outcasts, like we're going to be there for them. And I don't know, do we feel like Sony is still there or do you think it's changed a little bit?
2: I mean, everything changes. And as things have developed and gaming in general has changed from a very, very individual thing to a mainly social thing. When you think of the state of pardon the pun, Sony pun, state of play <laughs> these days. Uh, they, I think that's what they call their press conferences are always yeah. the state of play. Yeah. Um, almost every game is geared towards a multiplayer experience mm-hmm. uh, and games that you wouldn't think would have one. For example, um, the, the relatively recent release Ghost of Tsushima uh, on uh, which was a Sony exclusive on the PlayStation 4, beautiful story driven single player game mm-hmm. that they eventually added a multiplayer to. And don't get me wrong, they did it well, mm-hmm. they did it surprisingly well for the type of game and gameplay that it was. But it felt so unnecessary, and at at this point in time. I don't think that there is a system for the rebels anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a market that exists because now it's about how gaming has become such a large part of culture that gaming is about bringing people together Mm -hmm. and systems in the fact that some of them are introducing cross play and it will eventually be in the next 10, 15, 20 years. It will be one system and just games being developed. Yeah. You know, there will be a point in my mind at any rate where either Sony or Xbox um, stops producing their own individual system and having exclusive games and it becomes this game and, you know, Microsoft is backing this one. Sony's backing this one but everyone can play on a individual system. Mm-hmm. The only one that will never go along with that is Nintendo. Nintendo will never do that. Nintendo is their own thing and that's fine. Yep. But the the rapidly declining difference between the quality of a PlayStation system of an Xbox and even playing on a PC they are going to be the same machine. Within the next couple of years. For sure. Unless you count cyberpunk. In Mm -hmm. which
0: case you can't play it on anywhere but PC. And and
2: even on PC it doesn't run that great either. Well that's that. We're not talking about that game. Yeah.
1: Well it's kind of like you're saying that. The systems are afraid to be niche. Because they're not going to make as much money. Mm -hmm. Is kind of like the vibe I'm getting from that. And it was interesting. You said like. You're talking about uh, the Ghost of Tsushima. How like it's character driven and that's just something like you wouldn't you wouldn't have thought of like video game characters having arcs and story like points like they cuz back in the day it was like they were creating iconic characters that were mostly just uh you know it was just a visual thing mm. like i made a list like banjo and kazooie is very much like they don't really have they have personality but it's very much in like their physicality or Laura Croft, I don't think in the original games had very much of a personality or like story to it. But now, when you play the games, I don't know if you guys played like more modern ones. Mm -hmm. It's very like the story driven. I think that's kind of interesting because video games are just a completely different animal today versus then. You're
2: right. And something that I think helped change that narrative and change it is sticking on brand here. And, and and on theme, Naughty Dog. Mm-hmm. And Naughty Dog's departure from when they uh, lost the rights to of Crash Bandicoot after Game 3, and uh, Universal Studios took over, and that's when we got Crash Team Racing and Crash Bash and all of the bad Crash games in between. Whoa. Let's uh, not call
0: Crash Bash a bad game. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that, <laughs>
2: I imagine. But when Naughty Dog comes back and they... Come out with the original Uncharted, Mm -hmm. um, which was not quite a launch title. It was about a year after the release of the PlayStation 3 Mm -hmm. was Uncharted. Mm -hmm. And then just a, a game that felt like you were playing a movie. Yeah. And then you get to Uncharted 2, and that... If you just took the gameplay elements out or took the minimum amount of gameplay and went from point A to point B to telling the story, that could have been released in theaters as is. Like yeah, that, was- mo- that game was a movie.
1: That was and like it was the phenomenal. Commercials for it. I remember it was like, my girlfriend's so dumb. She doesn't know I'm playing a video game.
2: <laughs> <laughs> actually, I do remember. I, I I had forgotten about those ads, but as soon as you said it, and then it would cut to the PlayStation executive. It was like, well, oh, actually, PlayStation. I, I do remember those now. Yeah. I had blocked those out.
0: <laughs> it, it, is, uh, it is funny, though, because it has been such a tremendous evolution for them to be, like, from a company where, I mean, and just to kind of get into the history a little bit even now, talking about how they were they were basically just trying to develop, like, the concepts, like you were talking about, Fred, where it's like, we just want a character. Like, I know Crash, when they originally developed him in, like, 94, he was Willie the Wombat. Yep. which they thought Willie was an inappropriate <laughs> term. And we're going to call him like Wuzzy. They're like, can you call him like Woozy or something like that? And they're like, what's wrong with Willie? Like, I guess at the time, you know, he had a lot of immature kids probably. Penis
1: the Wombat. Penis
0: the wombat. So they eventually changed his name to Crash because of that reason. But um, to even pick up off of that, you know, talking about how they had were truly trying to develop for that time, they're like, we're going to make a 3D environment game. They called it the Sonic's ass game because they're like, we're just going to be staring at like Sonic's ass the entire time, which I mean, think about Sonic Adventure. If you guys played that, that's exactly what that <laughs> is. You are literally looking at his back the whole time. Um, and it's just it's crazy that it did go through that evolution where really it was all about how can we develop something new? To, like, you know, something that feels similar, that is different to now. Yeah, like they said, like Dan was just talking about. Now it really is, like, can we make the best story? Can we make the best looking Mm -hmm. thing, too? I mean, I think they were still trying to do that from a different perspective. I mean, now it looks, like, blocky and all, like, you
2: know. Well, and that, yeah, of course it looks blocky now. Yeah, but, but then. But even still, the amount of depth and color that they were able to create in that environment with what they could do with the technology of the playstation Mm -hmm. and and all of the different settings that they were able to uh, jam-pack into that game uh you know from being in jungles the the uh, running up a river jumping on logs and lily pads Mm -hmm. and stuff going up a river and honestly Water looks pretty darn good. It still does, for um, sure. You know, and and slightly different gameplay styles in it as well. You know, running to and from the camera. You know, you know when you're running towards the camera on the boulder levels. Um Scary
1: bear. Yeah.
2: You know, and uh, the the couple of levels where you get to ride a hog, and you, there's a couple of different gameplay styles and elements. The boss fights have all of these different elements to them, that it's phenomenal what they were able to do with that technology. And it's honestly not that far removed from the 32-bit consoles. So it's really, you know, PlayStation, it's in that same neighborhood of the N64 with the 64-bit I think the PlayStation is a little bit more with the way that disc technology could read at that time. Yeah. So you could graphically do more, but just incredible. Are you guys familiar with the whole history of how Sony
0: came, like the PlayStation came to be? Yeah. I, well, I am. I yeah. have not. So I'll I'll give some other history that I didn't <laughs> actually even research for this, but I don't. It's a. Um, so Nintendo was actually the one who was commissioning building a CD like add-on to the Super Nintendo. And so they had like other like like basically like home video producers or developers to like work on the system for them. So they had Sony who was developing the PlayStation and then they had Philips. I don't know if you've heard of the CDi. Yeah. <laughs> It's like the, the one of the worst systems you'll ever see. It's got the notoriously awful games, but they have like licensed to like Nintendo games. So they have like these real cheap knockoff Zelda games and Mario. And it's like a meme online. There's like these like really like crazy, like yeah. awful animated cutscenes.
2: But um <laughs>
0: Yeah, but Sony realized they were sitting on like something really good. They're like, we don't need Nintendo. We're just gonna go do our own thing, and then that's how the PlayStation came to be. Oh wow! And Nintendo just completely curved the other way. Like, well, I don't know. The CD technology is what we want to do. We're gonna go develop more cartridges, do N sixty four. You know, before finally getting on the GameCube, and we're like, we're gonna come up with a little like. Slider sized (laughs)
2: CDs, which even just thinking about the size of some of the games that they got on those tiny micro discs like Uh that, that's incredible too. Uh, Like those, hmm. like pizza bagel sized. Yeah, (laughs) which checks out because what you know, early two thousands is when GameCube came out. So yeah, of course, the height of the pizza bagel craze. (laughs) Yes, they got their pizza bagel discs.
0: (laughs) One pizza's on a GameCube.
2: Can I have pizza anytime. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> oh God, I missed the GameCube. That was such a wonderful system.
1: Yeah, that one was. I remember when it came out, I was like, I don't want that. And then going to a friend's house, and it just like being a game changer for me. Yeah. It was the Spider-Man movie game, oh, wow. which just like for movie game, I think that was one of the best like movie games because like you were able to do the Spider-Man flying, like kind of free form through the city. Which I feel like everyone wanted to do.
0: Yeah. It oh man. I love there are so many Spider Man games. I mean, the most recent one on Playstation Four, now five, is probably the best one by far. Oh, for sure. But it so so much fun playing those old Spider Man games, even the movie games.
1: I so loved good. like even the PlayStation and then sixty four Spider Man games. I thought those were pretty fun. Oh
0: yeah. Not Superman though. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, they couldn't really crack that one. Yeah. I also was going to say about like how Crash Bandicoot and even I'll add this to Mario kind of made like a big difference in that style of game. Like this level based kind of side scroller style is that it kind of not the first crash, but crash two and three kind of gave you the option of five levels to choose from, Mm -hmm. which is pretty like kind of a big deal because you think about any other game. It's like you're starting with this level And you have to go through. It was kind of nice, like, being able to have choices. Yeah.
0: I did like that. It was something I actually kind of forgot about until I really started to, like, replay the Insane Trilogy and um, was even doing, like, the walkthrough or doing some playthrough watching. it's just, like, remembering, like, oh, my gosh, that felt so innovative at the time that you could kind of pick your portal. Like, it was a little bit like Super Mario 64, like, you jump in the paintings and Mm -hmm. you go into a new level. But, like, I still just like the way that they always were like, we're going to try and add a little more element of, you know, something different than what you saw before, even though the the play kind of all felt the same in each of those games. I don't know. I, that's something that I, I wanted to kind of talk about here as we get even into, like, the highlights of the series, too. You know, like, 1, 2, and 3, I remember all being very fun. But, you know, do you guys feel like, there was like a significant step up with each of the games or was it very, I don't know. Or did it feel similar? I guess
2: there's in my mind, there's absolutely a step up between all three games, mm-hmm. which is incredible. Seen as each game was released a year apart from the last, mm-hmm. you know, crash one in 96, 97 and 98. Uh, and then crash two and three released exactly a year later. They were both released on Halloween uh on in 97 and 98 respectively mm-hmm. um and and what they did from crash 1 to crash 2 was uh, you know implementing the warp rooms uh you know as you talked about but then they added s- just uh, you know uh just so many more movement options in in crash 2 with the addition of being able to slide and do the crouch jump uh body and, slam and, and and body slam which were the the three main motion changes but then they added the you know and not used much but you, there was the the jetpack motion you know yeah. movement there were um you know the the levels where you're uh, you do get to ride the uh, polar uh <laughs> the polar bear the uh, polar amazing. the polar bear um that that you get to do uh, and then they do have, you know, some side-scrolling sections. And but the thing that they added for replayability was having multiple endings, mm-hmm. uh, as to whether or not you know, because you beat the game just by getting all the crystals. But there is the secret ending if you find all forty-two of the gems, um, and the replayability and finding the secret warp room with all of the hidden levels and the you know that have a secret gem or lead you to a different path in a different level that unlocks you know something else or that's how you get the you know one of the colored gems and mm-hmm. you know the, i specifically remember being frustrated to no end as a kid seeing the red gem hanging in the air in level three snow go um <laughs> just looking at that gem and not being able to get it and you know as an adult watching speedrun videos and stuff seeing people like break the game and do the techno you know the the super specific techs to like oh jump again in the air somehow and and uh and and get that gem without having to go the long and difficult way around uh makes my... the you know, my past self sad um, <laughs> or
1: the big add on for two and three was the use of the analog stick, right? Because you couldn't use the analog in the first one.
2: Yeah, yeah, that is true. That is true. But then they expand on the movement options even more in Crash 3 with the addition of the double jump, the um, the tornado spin. So you could actually kind of glide a little bit Um and then, you know, ways to kind of navigate levels and put things out of the way with the bazooka. And then lastly, by adding the time trials to be able to go through levels and, you know, you think that's all well and good and then you finally beat the game and you get the super run ability where it's like, oh, well, now I can actually get all of those, you know, I can attempt to get the platinum rec- you know relics and, and go through that. It took this initial concept it expanded on it in two, which I think some of the best level design uh, was in two. I loved the level design in two. I yeah. think if there's one that I go back and replay more than the others, it is two. Uh, but then three takes it to that next level where it adds all of the cool stuff, you know, the motorcycle stuff like that. I think yeah. Crash Three highlights the we want Crash to be cool as hell. Kind of aesthetic because he gets to go scuba diving. He, you know, his sister comes in as a rad, you know, rad late nineties girl power move. She gets to ride a tiger. She did dress
0: a lot like a member of the
2: Babysitters
0: Club, and I <laughs> was very
2: much like, yes, um, you know. But then each of them gets a level where they get to um, fly a plane, and mm-hmm. then the uh, the fourth boss when you're fighting Engine in Crash Three. You get to, you play as Coco instead. Mm -hmm. Um, Or is it, do they combine powers at some point? I think they combine powers in the second half of the fight or something. I'm trying to remember Um, too,
0: between three and four, because I know in four, it's like you can kind of like switch between them a little bit. Yeah. In four,
2: you can play as either throughout the entire game, which is a nice touch and they play exactly the same. So it's not like there's a benefit to playing as one or the other. And it's, if you want to. Play as Coco, you play as Coco, and it's great. And yeah. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, I did. I do want to talk about four at some point too. But yeah, what was your experience with one through three, Fred? You agree? Um,
1: I so I definitely throw on. I'll jump ahead. I have the remastered, and I throw that on quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And back in the day, it was all about two for me because I didn't own three. That was something that I did get to play a little, but it was something I always wanted. But now, when I go back, I actually really enjoy one, but I think it it's benefited by having the remastered copy and be able to do all those extra movements you couldn't do in the original one. Um, the thing that I also want to bring up about, like, why I like the game so much is I love the bosses. Yes. Like, just the character stuff they have. And I was curious, like, what are your guys' like? Who are your guys when it comes to the bosses? <laughs>
0: well... I don't want to get too far ahead, but I do want to do a ranking later of, of the bosses. characters <laughs> in the game. Ooh. All the characters, though. oh jeez. Oh, wow. But I, I maybe let's, let's talk about like what's what's your what's your favorite boss to face for now or maybe like the favorite boss for you.
2: I I remember I I remember being terrified of um in Crash 1, Brio. Oh, yeah. When, you know, you're doing this, you're dodging all of his slimes and, sh- you know, and shit, and then he drinks the potions and turns into that Frankenstein, mm-hmm. and he just comes charging at you, and you're there, and it doesn't seem like there's anything you can do about it, and then, a you know, a, a brick drops on the floor that you can jump on to then jump on his head and send him back and, you know, and do that damage. Mm-hmm. But as a... You know, three, four, five-year-old when I was doing it the first time through. Oh, I, I couldn't figure that out. Yeah. That terrified me. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I remember not being able to beat that and calling my friend Arthur. And he, like, I'm like, hey, buddy, uh, how do I beat this, blah, blah, blah. He tells me. I'm like, all right, cool. Talk to you later. Hang up. That's how kids talk, right? <laughs> <On the phone. laughs> right. My dad was, like, in the room. And he goes, hey, Fred. You just called called your friend and asked him for a favor why don't you chat with him a little longer like he was <laughs> mad that i was like rude about it which like always like i think about that every time like, you didn't ask him how his day was or anything and i'm just yeah. like dad like i'm in the middle of this game like, at least Ar- wine and dino <laughs> yeah arthur, arthur gets it okay <laughs> <laughs> you <don't> understand <laughs>
0: 100% though, I mean, yes, totally had those questions, like, or those types of conversations <laughs> and those types of questions, like, why don't you talk to him further? There know?
1: was a kid on our bus who was, like, the all-seeing shaman of Mario 64, and he would uh, sit, like, in the back of the bus, and you could go sit next to him and ask him questions. <laughs> like, I remember, like, there's a level with the Loch Ness Monster in Mario 64 I couldn't figure out. I remember going to him, he's like, you have to butt slam the Loch Ness at the right time. <laughs> and then you can walk in his head. I just remember like he was like, that's all I remember. This kid was like, if you had a question about and Mario, he had it. <laughs> yeah.
0: I like that. He sounds like Jim Morrison in Wayne's World, too. Or he's, just like, <laughs> he's got like the sage, like one liners. Like he's like, if you book them, they will come.
1: <laughs> but the truth is, he like died in a bus accident he's not even oh, there shit. he's like a ghost in the oh. bag. oh yeah. no not in real life I'm just oh. like you look back and he's not there holy, holy crap. shit.
2: <laughs> you had me for a moment <laughs> oh my goodness
0: yeah hearts in our throat he's been dead for 40 years <laughs> i don't know why he knows
1: mario 64 stuff
0: <laughs> yeah um, what about your favorite boss, Fred? Where, where were you at? On that? I
1: got two I wrote down. Uh, Ripper Roo. I feel he's like the Joker of the <laughs> universe. Like, you don't know what he's going to do. Mm. And he's like, he plays with you know explosives, he's random. And uh, the other guy I like, who's only in the first one is uh i really like pinstripe patoro oh yeah yeah <laughs> just like some mafia and he's like a new jersey car salesman is like his backstory like <laughs> they even he has a quote that says like um hold on I have it right here they decide on cars quickly once my tommy gun comes out <laughs> i like this guy
0: It's just threatening people to get him into <laughs> it that's a, that is a good character too. I just, I, the, the characters in this series are so much fun. It, it, like, cause you think about a lot of the other games that are like this, like Sonic the Hedgehog, right? I mean, clearly it's like a very close emulation of Sonic where it's like, and I think even in structure, Sonic was built very similarly where it starts as like a very simple concept and they're like, how do we do this up? He can charge up his spin now. And then the third one kind of like highlights all the things that we enjoyed about too. Um, but even to that point, I always thought the characters in Sonic were kind of, I don't know, outside of, like, the main protagonist, they're kind of (laughs) boring. Whereas, like, I feel like even, like, the smallest bosses in this game, like, just even just the enemies that walk around have so much character to them. Like, the little little turtles, like, have, like, a little attitude Mm -hmm. and, like, you know, everything has, like, a swagger to it or,
1: like, the guys who walk around, like, have a purpose. Um, it's like a thing in a movie where they don't explain something and you like see a character and you're like, that guy probably has a whole deal and a whole story. They're not going to get into it, but you just know that that depth's there. That's like 20 <laughs> characters in Fury Road. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. That's the exact same thing. You're like, this guy has got like history or something. Like yeah.
0: That, <laughs> that oh, man, that we'll do Mad Max at some point, but that I could talk about that movie forever, <laughs> but similar to a down under type property i've always liked koala kong and i always liked the idea because i felt like that was also kind of a a litmus test for me yeah where he's doing the arnold stretches (laughs) in the background because it's like when i was younger i could only really get through like the first couple of levels finally get through ripper Roo, and i'm like i really want to get to this third boss and i felt like that's why the game really started to click like they everything slowed down and i was like okay i can actually play through this now i got to koala kong and i was like what is going on this dude's <laughs> chucking barrels <at> me. <laughs> like he looked like like donkey kong but he's just a big ass koala i love the hybrids in this this series too like another another character i love i don't really remember him too much until i was like watching it through with the dingo dial
2: yeah what
0: how do you even come up with that
2: <laughs> dingo and a dial of course <laughs> <laughs> of course it's Which thinking about that boss fight, the, like the uh, the boss fight, that was so high stress because you're just walking around and he's following you as you're doing that, and then mm. he just fires his laser and is blowing crystals up. Mm. And it's like holy And then he's f- raining fireballs down on you. That was a stressful boss fight in Crash Three. Yeah,
0: it's that was something. So you said you think the second one's your favorite game?
2: The second one is it. I do firmly believe the second one is my favorite game. Okay. There are less levels in the second game that I think about and go, oh man, <laughs> you know versus you know three. And there's definitely some levels in one that are a uh, a big roadblock. Uh, like the specifically. Towers. Yeah, the, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, slippery Climb. Um, I mean, the both of the bridge, the Road to Nowhere mm-hmm. and the High Road with the, the broken bridges that you're Ugh. going across. Um, you know, those levels. And then, honestly, some of the factory levels in Crash 1 as well. just like Cortex Power and... Mm-hmm. Um, They'll break you, yeah. The, you know, they're just, and I think Toxic Waste. Toxic, oh, fuck. The one where you're going and you're just jumping over the barrels that are constantly rolling Boy is that level frustrating Um, But you know just Crash 2 I think has great environments I loved that all of the different warp rooms were themed Hmm. You know you got your first classic jungle runes Feels like Crash And then you go up a floor and it's like oh this is an ice cave like this is so cool. Mm-hmm. You go up again and all of a sudden you're in like a flooded sewer and there's water in the warp room, which is just such a cool concept. And then it's the the mining rig basically or the the mining cave for the fourth one. Mm-hmm. And then you're in the the grayscale black and white future for the final one. And each warp room has such wildly different feelings and then a lot of the levels are actually themed to that warp room. You know, yep. it's not exclusive because you get a snow level and a couple of different mm-hmm. uh, warp rooms, but you typically get a themed to that warp room level or two. Yeah, uh, and that was just such a cool feature. Um, it's one of those I know where all like without having to go back and look. Okay, well, how do you do that one again? I still know all of the secrets in crash two. I can go through it like, Oh, I remember this is the, you know, this is the spot where the nitro crates aren't real and you Mm -hmm. have to go up those. And that takes you to the pink gem. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember all of that stuff with that game. And I, that one is the, you know, just the best. And I, I remember loving the engine boss fight, in that game yeah. where you're just standing on the platform, throwing wumpas at him. Like, yeah, you know, here we go. Just throwing fruit, <laughs> you know, trying to get through, you know, that boss and, you know, the Komodo brothers were great. Yeah. Um, I just faced off with them before I got here. Oh, Komodo- man. <laughs> oh, man. Um, it's just, you know, the only lack, the, the only truly lackluster boss fight is the last one where you're just chasing cortex, on the jetpack through right. the asteroid. I do field. remember that. Yeah. That's honestly the only lackluster part of it, you know, especially considering how tough Cortex was in one mm-hmm. and how much more difficult he was in three with the addition of Aku Aku and Uka Uka mm-hmm. duking it out and firing lasers and shit. And then you're dodging all of Cortex's minds. Yeah. So he's like super difficult in three. Incredibly difficult in one with how limited your motion is, and then it was a joke in two. So, that's yeah. that's I'll put that in the lost column there for sure. <laughs> okay, did you guys know about
1: the bear in the warp room? Mm, I did that. You know about this bear in the warp room? Remind me, you jump on it 10 times, you get
2: 10 lives. Why Yes, oh man, I don't he know. makes a little sound every time you jump on him, too. He's like he squeaks, like ow, he
1: like goes flat. <laughs> Oh
2: my gosh!
0: So that's what it's supposed to just
2: be. You jump on them ten times, and then all of a sudden, just you get ten lives, Mm -hmm. and it's you can only do it once per playthrough. Um, I mean, you can jump on them as much as you want, Mm -hmm. but you only get the lives once. Sure, man. It's
0: like you feel so bad after you're jumping on it for.
1: And then, like talking about the levels, the thing that frustrate me was like the tower levels where you'd have the like. Um, landings that were like up and down and you would spin them yeah and they would go flat and you'd have to like build yourself up and then you fall to the bottom and then they all like rotate back to straight up and down i think those are like my most frustrating and like parts in the crash games
0: absolutely i remember the first time coming through that level and it seems so easy and then you're just like you miss time one and then it's just like all falls apart because then you just get more and more frustrated and it just mounts against you. It's like expecting you to be patient Fred, where you sit on the series. Where, where would you say your top game is?
1: I'm agree and say too. like I said, I've been enjoying one when I go back to the remastered. Yeah. But if we're looking at the original text, I kind of agree with Dan. I mean, maybe if I owned the third one, it would have been different. But I did always have a feeling. I think the third one is great from when I play it. But I did feel like really threw everything at the wall in the third one. And the second one is just tighter. Yeah. You
0: know? 100%. You do get that feeling, too. I think you were saying when they were, like, developing the warp rooms and everything has its own feel. Everything's got its own theme. And then all the levels are on theme. Where, like, yeah, the third one... It just does kind of feel like it's really trying to mix things up so much that it's like, well, okay, there's a couple misses in there too, and it just doesn't add as much as you want.
2: And I think it's because they tried to add the the time travel aspect yeah. to it, and so you got the prehistoric levels, you got the future levels, uh, you got the you know ancient Egypt, and you get to go to all of those cool time periods. And so because they took most of their time and effort into elaborating on all of that, Mm -hmm. the warp rooms have significantly less character, especially because it's all one connected room. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think if that wasn't the case, if it was like Crash 2 where you went from floor to floor, I think that would make a difference. But because they had one room with five paths that you progressively unlocked and you could kind of see like the shadow of each warp room uh in the background which honestly very cool right um but because it was all connected and all 25 portals to all 25 levels are technically all on this you know at the same time granted you know they hide things beneath and they don't load them until you get a certain distance and they all pop up and it's a nice cool effect but it, it's not as It's not as tight. It's something about
1: leveling up. You literally get to level up to the next warp room. It's true.
0: That was a cool feature. I definitely did remember Loving 2 when I first played it. And it's been a long while since I played the very original. Because when I played it on the Insane Trilogy, I played it for a little bit. And and then you get distracted by something else or whatever Mm -hmm. comes along. But... You know, one of the games that I know we haven't gotten to talk about yet, and you mentioned this earlier, Dan, because it's like the quality dropped off once like Universal lost their licensing um, and you get into these games that are really trying to emulate like the Mario parties and stuff. But I remember playing Crash Bash a lot and it wasn't amazing, but boy, you could have fun with it.
2: Oh, I played it a lot, too, and yeah. I really enjoyed it to a point. <laughs> and I think the, the you know the point where it is if you want to go and actually beat the game and do all of the things, you've got to play every game seven or eight times yeah. minimum. And you're playing and that's the thing. There wasn't a whole lot of variety other than oh we added a thing that makes it harder. Yeah. And you had to play it in each warp room in that game, added a new game in general, but so there were like seven total games, but then it was just ramping the difficulty. And then even to get through on the story, it was best you had to win three times. Yeah. So even to get through on the story and just do the story, which you know, it's been a while, so I don't remember if you could just play through and get the crystals and call it good, or if you eventually had to go back and start getting some of the gems in order to progress i don't i don't remember that i think you did Be- and, yeah yeah and if you did now you had to go back play the games you just played with a different more difficult constraint and you had to play them 3 times again so you, it wasn't good enough just to win it you had to do it 3 times in a row yeah. under ridiculous circumstances and it just kept going and going and going and getting worse. And that had local multiplayer. No one ever wanted to play with me. Oh, so I was sad. always playing that game by myself, which is why it doesn't always have the <laughs> fondest place in my memory. Is <laughs> it
1: for PlayStation? It was yeah, a it was.
0: PlayStation 1. Uh-huh. So you needed the, the four controller splitter if you wanted to have <laughs> four people playing because obviously I only had the two yeah, slots. That was
1: and, something I would not be convincing my parents to get me. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: no, the, yeah. So the funny thing I'll share with you guys, though, is my sister and I both really liked this game, but we wanted to play with more people. So we convinced my parents to get that four controller splitter so that we could play with friends. <laughs> and I remember... so my sister would have people or I'd have friends over and we would all play together and get really competitive. Cause back then it's like my sister and I wanted to try and beat each other at everything we possibly could. And I remember one night somebody spilled soda on that thing and it like didn't work the right ever again. I was furious with her. I was like, you, can't be doing this. <laughs> like, you can't be doing this. You can't be having soda all over. And it's like, and I knew full well, full well, I'm sitting there with a can of soda probably right next to me while I'm playing these games. I
2: can't believe you've done this.
0: Yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> it was, ugh, it's just like. You know, I was like acting like a parent and it's just I was so protective of that PlayStation. But <laughs> I think that was why I did have a lot of positive memories, because it was like playing Mario Party or like playing Mario Kart or something where you did have other people.
2: And And it. I think if I would have had that same experience and I had people actually playing that game with me, mm-hmm. maybe I'd have a better feeling. But trying to go through a party game solo to get to the end mm-hmm. to beat it. Not the most fun experience. Yeah. People wanted to play other games with me. I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to say that as like a very incredibly sad thing for me to be saying, um, which maybe it is sad and I can't recover that, you know, anymore. But like just that one, no one wanted to play because none of my friends were... As into Crash as I was. <laughs> sure. You know, some of my friends liked it. You know, you know, my best friend growing up, Matt, liked Crash, but not like I did. Yeah. yeah.
1: I had, a like, in middle school, I had a homeroom teacher that actually had a system in his room and every once in a while. They had, he had Crash Team Racing, and we got to play that, oh, which wow. is pretty crazy to think about because, you know, that's kind of a hot button issue right now is CTR in schools.
2: Ooh. No, I'm gonna see no, oh. cancel the podcast. <laughs> I cancel the podcast. I had to think about it and I'm like, I hate it. Oh, cancel the podcast, <laughs> yeah. Tom. It's over, pack it up. Bonobos yeah. has just dropped out of yeah. the sponsor. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh boy, please. All sponsors, if you are listening right now, this is not our regular content. <laughs> we will be better.
2: Raid Shadow Legends will still sponsor you. <laughs>
0: All right, so as we move forward here, we're going to enter our segment that we do every week called Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda, which is where we discuss things that we wish the franchise maybe would have done differently or if maybe just done it all. Um, things they could have improved upon or tried that they didn't do before. Uh, I think with Crash, there's definitely something to it because when you think about how they did try to kind of depart from it after the third one, and get into like the racing game that we were just talking about, and to get into like Crash Bash, it, it really felt like they were really trying to push forward this whole thing of like we're going to get into that multiplayer thing that you were talking about earlier, Fred. Like that's kind of the the or I'm sorry, you not you, but uh <laughs> Dan was making that mention. I don't know. Everybody's talking. I just
1: don't,
0: it was, it's in the collective everybody's ether. Talking. <laughs> don't hear what they're saying, um, but. I would kind of wonder, too, if maybe they could be doing more with that. So if you guys had to pinpoint maybe one thing you would have done differently or maybe one thing you would have loved to see, like maybe another entry of the game like this. And I know we didn't really talk about Crash 4, but, you know, what, what was something that maybe you would pinpoint is like, that's the thing I would have loved to see Crash do.
2: Honestly, if Crash 4 wouldn't have come out, the thing that I would say is. A true Crash Four kind of experience that feels in line with Crash One, Two, and Three. <laughs> Give me that next chapter. Let me experience that joy and that and, and that platforming in the way that I did when I was a kid. Is it uh, Crash Four? Like, is that actually what it's called, or is it just Crash? Some Crash Four. It's oh, about that's... time. Which is. It's another time travel kind of game, but then it's also like a uh, tongue in cheek. Yeah, it's about time. We're having Crash 4. Right. Um, Wait, so what is the Wrath of Cortex considered then? Th- that is technically the-, the fourth Crash Bandicoot game. Um, but
0: not from the same.
2: N- no longer Naughty Dog, not the kay. same developer. Granted, Crash 4, It's About Time, is not Naughty Dog. Uh, you know, they don't have the, you know, Naughty Dog is not involved anymore, mm-hmm. but Crash 4 was meant to take place immediately after the events of Crash 3 or so, mm-hmm. um, okay. where Crash, the, you know, the Wrath of Cortex, and then there was another one beyond that, and I cannot for the life of me remember the, uh, the, the, the one with Crunch. <laughs> I think is in the title of that one. Is it it's not Twin Sanity, is it? Twin Sanity had nothing to do with Wrath of Cortex. Twin Sanity is phenomenal. That there is something about that game that I absolutely love. Uh that one is such a departure from the traditional Crash formula, but it's done in a way that actually worked mm. um
0: because yeah it looks like we had after wrath of cortex next year was the huge adventure
2: which was a n- uh a DS a, game a, like not a, a ds uh, it was a game boy advance game okay, okay. and then entranced crash well, entranced was another uh, D- uh game boy advance game okay nitro cart was PlayStation Two the sort of sequel to Crash Team Racing, just not as good. Yep. Purple Ripto's Revenge or that Rampage. I'm that sorry. was the uh the crossover. So there was Crash Purple and Spyro Orange. They got crossover games what? where they were fighting mm. each other's villains. Oh wow. Uh and, and whatnot. It was kinda it was a neat concept. It was not executed incredibly well. Mm. Crash Tag team racing, then an even worse (laughs) racing game.
0: So basically, they were like, their racing games went downhill. This was the era, though, of like all like you're gonna have two drivers on your go karts because you had double dash, you had like Sonic racing, and
2: and I think this was Sony trying to, you know, what was popular with Nintendo was oh, Mario Party, Mario Mm -hmm. Kart all of these new Mario Kart games. Well our flag, you know, our flagship mascot, Crash, who realistically was one of, if not the only Sony PlayStation, family friendly mascot. Yeah. You know, he's gotta do what Mario's doing. Did and he I, ever play golf? Crash never played golf. As far as I Crash I never played, played, played golf. I, I would have played, played, played crash That's golf the next because move, he would right? spin. He would yeah. spin. Yeah, no we've asked and answered. Took us a while to get there but crash golf. <laughs> crash golf. I I was even throwing down like for crash volleyball. Like Ooh. especially with all the characters like just crash have- sports. Like kind of like Mario and Sonic at the Olympics, but Crash Sports. I did write down Crash Olympics because of that game.
1: I feel like then you're teed up for a sequel because you can have like extreme sports after that. Like that's the
2: move, right? Yes. Um, (laughs) man, yeah. Maybe you give him the Jack and Daxter treatment, and you just give him a gun and make it Grand Theft Auto. Oh Oh, my my god,
0: (laughs) that would actually be a little fun. Um,
1: like the Simpsons road rage crash.
0: Yes, oh, what taxi. What was that called? Taxi driver on um, Dreamcast. Crazy taxi. Mm-hmm. Crazy taxi. Yes, that's it. I'm thinking of the Robert De Niro movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I feel if they like beefed up, made it a little more adult. Like you could really have a good role for Pinstripe Toro in like uh, a Grand Theft Auto style
0: crash. <laughs> hey, listen, Right? if we talk about Taxi Driver, you could do a Scorsese-directed Crash Bandicoot movie.
1: <laughs> well, that leads into my what have could have, should have, was I, I would love, like, a Crash movie, but I feel like no one wants it. But I think Crash is actually better suited for, like, a Saturday morning cartoon or, like, an HBO Max cartoon show. He was kind of the
0: forgotten character when it came to that, right? Because mm-hmm. you had your... Your Mario cartoon show. You had the Mario movie. Now we're going to get another one with Chris Pratt. <laughs> <laughs> um, we had Sonic had its own cartoon. Sonic also had his movie, which I really enjoyed.
2: I liked the Sonic movie more than I thought I was going yeah. to. Yeah. And it, it just, I don't know.
0: It was just colorful. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Jim Carrey being back to being kind of like Jim Carrey.
1: <laughs> I could see like. I really like the show Tailspin. I think you can catch it on Disney Plus now, which is pretty much like Indiana Jones but the Jungle Book characters. It's kind of cool, mm-hmm. and I feel like that would be the vibe. It was kind of like this like cargo like business style thing with you know exotic locations. Um, I feel like a straight up tee up for this was like for Cortex, you get Peter Dinklage. I mean, like I feel he could like rule up that. That'd be outstanding. I didn't have a casting for Crash. I really will I really like this Billy Magnuson guy who's popping up in movies. And yeah. I feel he's got like he kinda has like this fiendish look in his face. And I feel he could be a great crash bandicoot. That would be fun.
0: That would be A crash movie would be fun. I'll give you that. There has to be something to it. If you can pull off Sonic, like why not crash? Right,
1: mm-hmm. but I would not want a brain crash into the real world movie. I'd want, and that was the thing. I like the Sonic movie, but I kind of want to see a Sonic movie in the Sonic world. Yeah, kind of like same with like the Mario Brothers movie. Even though like that's kind of a different beast, it really it felt like Mario in our world. Even though it does kind of go into that other world, I didn't feel like I got transported to the game. And I think there's a very cool, almost like. Indiana Jones Uncharted kind of aesthetic to Crash Bandicoot. And I think you could, I think like uh Lord and Miller would have like a lot of fun with like a Crash Bandicoot movie or series.
0: Absolutely. That would be great. I could, I could actually, I'm, I'm sold on it now. I want to see it. Um, it's, it is kind of mind blowing not to backtrack a little bit, but to look at the gap in the games, because the last one was... I think the one you're thinking of was Crash of the Titans. Am I right, by the way, Dan?
2: That is not the one that I... I thought there was two PlayStation 2 era ones, but maybe it was just the Wrath of Cortex. I remember okay. there being... Or Mind specific, Over Mutant? Is that another that, one? Mind Over Mutant is the sequel to Crash of the Titans. Okay. Which were both originally released on the Wii, I think. They oh, were wow. Wii titles. Uh, and I played awesome. both of them. I Because you know, I had a Wii. I did play both of those games, and... Not great Um, It just was It was like an action Platformer that they slapped Crash onto Mm -hmm. That it did nothing About it other than the fact that They had the same individual Who was uh, who voiced uh, The Grim Reaper In uh, the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy was playing Aku Aku in those games So that was like a fun little thing for me Because I loved Billy and Mandy um, but other than having Crash characters in the game, nothing about it felt like a Crash game because most of the thing it was a it was a beat 'em up kind of action adventure game in which you would go and you would just mind control mutants like these big monsters and use them to fight other monsters and then you would move on to the next section Weird. and you would do it again. Okay. Uh and that was basically the entirety of the game and it didn't feel it didn't feel right. Nothing no. about that felt right. You could have put any generic character in there and it would have been the same exact game and it would have left less of a stain, if you will. On my uh, my overall memory of Crash, I mean,
0: it seems like it almost darn near killed the. It very well franchise. could have.
1: It yeah. very well could have. I have a lot of respect for you sticking around for all these Crash games because I definitely did not, and I've been oh. voicing how much I grew up on it, and it seemed like you stuck around for.
2: Oh, you know, I, I, or worse, I had and played all of the Game Boy games, the the Wii ones. Uh, I think I've played everything on on the list. Uh, you know, just every single Crash game. I don't think there's one that I haven't played.
0: Wow, that's commitment, man.
2: The like, truly, this was the franchise of my childhood. Uh, you know, from when I had to sit and play with my mom and have her jump over the holes for me because I couldn't do <laughs> it. Because you know that's how young I was when I was starting. Yeah, and I remember being able to jump over the holes for the first time, and like, oh shit, that <laughs> was. That was it. That was the moment. Then I was hooked. It's
0: pretty incredible when you think about it, too. Because, yeah, it's, it really does kind of stop there. In 2010, you have Nitro Cart 2. And then it's a seven-year gap before anything Crash is released. And that's the trilogy remaster. And then all of a sudden, 2019, things start kicking up again. We have... Crash Team Racing, Nitro Fueled and then It's About Time and then on the run and all of a sudden it feels like, yeah, he's back in the ether of everything again. Where we are we can be talking about like, maybe they will do a movie one day if he really does start to catch in, momentum.
1: In 2019 they like, where Sony was talking about it, but I feel like all these movie companies are like throwing anything at the wall yeah. and seeing what sticks. Um I re- Real quick, coulda, woulda, shoulda I feel like growing up I was definitely kind of kid if I liked something, I wanted to have all the bullshit the merchandise. I feel like they didn't do a lot of like crash merchandise no. like I would have loved like a stuffed crash or, or a T-shirt. Mask, yeah. yeah,
2: I had several action figures, oh, they did wow. have action figures Spin I had, action uh no, but there was one that I remember getting back when my dad's office uh was in the building attached to. Grand Avenue Mall, not to dox <laughs> us being in Milwaukee or anything. <laughs> um, but I remember going into the KB Toys and then walking through the Skywalk and going up to my dad's office because you know, it was like a Saturday and he had stuff to do. And I bought it, was around Crash Three, and there was this wind up motorcycle that you could get in this thing and you'd wind it up and it would get the gear going and you'd press it and then crash on his motorcycle would then just drive across the room and crash into a wall because literally nothing else that it did, but crash, I had... Crashed into a wall. I had that. I had um, a Cortex. I had a an engine that the, uh, the rocket in his head was removable. Yeah. Ooh. So you know, he could just have a divot or he could have that. Every crash toy came with both a crystal and a gem. Ooh! Wow. And so I had several crash toys. A lot of them, they were pretty cheap and they would fall apart yeah. pretty fast. Um, but I definitely had crash toys. Didn't have. I don't remember having any sort of plushy kind of a thing. I don't remember a lot of apparel either. Um, yeah. I do
0: remember somebody having a crash plush. So you bring that up? I would
2: I, love to have a Crash Plus right now. Like I, they, have I would to have, the have proudly display
0: that on a shelf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I, but there really wasn't. It was. It was fewer and far between to not. Whereas, like you'll see people with, yeah, Mario T-shirts, yeah, Mario Nintendo figures, sure. yeah, Sonic T-shirts. You know the whole works. I mean, certainly Sonic toys and all that. I know even my cousin had like a whole collection of that. I actually want to get to our power rankings here because rather than have us rank the games, which feels like the obvious thing, since there's a lot of games, and I think it's pretty clear where we sit. On but you see, the right
2: thing now. is a lot of them are S tier and then like the rest are F tier. Like yeah. that's the thing. It's they're either great or they are garbage, which is
0: such a, yeah, you don't see that a lot of the game series, but it does feel like crash is rare where we've only been talking really about the first three and then the newest ones. Um, but for the power rankings this week, we do this rank, We do this segment every week. Uh, I want to ask you guys: Who are your favorite characters? Who are your Who are your top three characters from the entire series? And if this is too off guard, I can go first.
1: Why don't you take us? Take us? Yeah, take us through your uh, thought
0: process. So I won't give too many thoughts onto them, other than I honestly just kind of love the aesthetic of some of these guys. Dingo Dial again, what what a blend of two animals. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when you are listening to this guy talk, and he's like, uh, sounds like a car salesman on the TV, and he's like, Come on, dance Dingo Dial's stoner," And it's that's just fun. Like, you, you've got basically, like, I don't know, like a Paul Hogan, if you put him <laughs> in a crocodile and he ate a dingo, but he ate it. It took on that
1: form.
2: That's not a Wumpa Fruit. <laughs> they turned him into this beautiful country pumpkin. Yeah. And I, yeah, no, I'm here
0: for that. Dingo Dial seems like it's a, it's a top tier type animal, type person, type character, whatever you want. Uh, then number two, I did put Embryo, Nitrous Brio, and mostly because when I played this when I was younger, he always reminded me of Sideshow Mel. And I love Sideshow Mel from The Simpsons because of that that look on him. And, and I always imagine that, even though I've heard Nitrous Brio like talk in the games, I always imagine him sounding like Sideshow Mel. Like, Mr. Cortex, I'll get that bandicoot. <laughs> it's just... And I know that's not... But that's what his voice should be. Um, and, and then three, I was really torn up here because... I felt like, oh, I've got two villains. i got to go with one of the, the, the good characters in the game because Aku Aku has always been a favorite of mine. But I think I had, to, I had to call an audible at this last minute. I went Ripper Roo because Ripper Roo does have that big Joker
1: energy, <laughs> that B-J-E. Um, and according to his wiki, he used to be like a doctor and like Cortex drove him insane with testing.
0: Wow. That reminded me of something I want to talk about real quick when we wrap the show up but i, I want to hear your guys choices first but yes that's that's a great little like story for him or it's like here's the arc of how he even got insane it's just too fun <laughs>
1: I'll just throw out mine real quick, just because I kind of already said, like, yeah, Ripper Roo. And, like, I don't know. I love this that gangster, Patoro. Yeah. He looks like Michael Imperioli from, like, <laughs> <laughs> The Sopranos. <laughs> and I think, like, if they ever make a TV show, just get him and have him do his, like, Sopranos character. Yeah. And, um, like, and then, like, just definitely Crash. Like, I mean, one thing we didn't talk about was, like, his dance scene. He pretty much does, like, the... What is this? The crotch exclamation? Yeah, point? The, the, the Generation X from WWE. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's oh, that's so fun. So like, yeah, I'll just throw it to those. I definitely had a crush on a sister. It's not a big deal. <laughs> 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 uh, oh,
0: anthropomorphic babes.
2: Oh boy, that's what we're
0: here for. Oh boy. All right, Dan, take us take us home. Uh, so
2: I would say the the first part, you know, first uh, character that comes to mind. Is uh, is actually Papu Papu, <laughs> um, because I just remember how just memorable that first boss was. Because it didn't they, like playing Crash One, it didn't feel like a game that was going to necessarily have boss fights. Yeah, and then you get into a small room and there's Papu Papu, his butt crack is out, <laughs> he's spinning around and trying to clobber you. Like I love Papu Papu, um, I love. I love Koala Kong um, mostly because of the uh, if you beat the game with all of the gems and you take like the the secret exit through the Great Hall level and you get the early end to the game without having to fight Cortex, Mm. uh, like narratively, Tana leaves Crash for Koala Kong, uh, and they just go off together, and that is for some reason hilarious to me. <laughs> um, oh. You know, and so just Koala Kong, and just the, the the fact that he's throwing boulders at you, he's Arnold Flexing, like yeah. you were talking about, or yeah. like, he was just iconic uh, yeah. in that regard. And then um, I loved uh, just... Uh, engine oh. with just him having the weird huge eye and he was just had this real Igor vibe to him yeah. and he's got the big rocket sticking out of his head and he was just like creepy and menacing and they did that uh, vocal effect where they basically lower or uh, layered his own voice over himself. At slightly different pitches, so he sounds robotic and menacing. Yeah. Uh, And just the boss fights against him are so cool because you're taking out his huge mechs and stuff, and it feels so out of place. But just absolutely correct for the kind of person who would be working side-by-side with a crazy doctor. Oh, yeah. You know, so those would be my... Yeah, I know I went with three villains, but <laughs> but the villains but they're, they're 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 great. That's okay, and
1: that's why I think it leads itself better to a TV show than a movie because you have these handful of villains and they could be like the villain of the week, and you have Cortex as like the main bad, oh, yeah. so you could really dive into all these villains. And I also want to say with Papu Papu, right? That's the first guy. Yeah. Character and I think this goes for all the bosses. There's something immensely gratifying about the jump onto the villain and the bounce off and mm-hmm. the noise. Yeah, just like the boom and just I don't know something about that is like almost like ASMR for me. I love <laughs> it. Right, I do love he just
0: jumps on these things. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, on that note, that's about. Our time for this week, I think. Didn't I say Dan was going to be a good guest? You you did I say it, it and Dan, you were a fantastic guest. Was there anything you would like to plug before you go here today?
2: Uh, well, I guess the only thing that I would have to plug um, is for all of our friends in the Milwaukee area uh, come down to come visit us at the uh, the Interchange Theater Cooperative. Uh, it is a, uh, a cooperative improv theater located here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, we've got a great set of, uh, well, just a great space in general uh, that, that we're doing shows every weekend uh, on top of doing open improv jams and stand-up open mics. Uh, it's really designed to be a theater that is for every type of performance. Uh, you know, we're not limiting it to just, you know, make them ups and making people laugh. If if you've got an idea and you wanted to come and use our theater space to perform your dramatic, uh, you know, your one-act play, whatever that is, we've got space for you, and we want you here. Uh, So feel free to uh, check us out in person or online at www.interchangetheater.com. Thanks, Dan. Yep, that's the
0: interchangetheater.com. Uh, Fred, any closing thoughts from you or anything you want to
1: share? No, I'll just tack on to that. Um, you might see me there at the interchange doing some make ups and some bits or at least just hanging by the bar trying to convince Dan to give me a free drink or something.
0: <laughs> Listen, we're not saying that there's going to be free drinks there, but if you do grease the right palms, you, you- might... <laughs> Increase your chances. What if people
1: come in and drop our podcast name? like what kind of discount are we looking at?
2: <laughs> Best I can do is 10% if they also buy membership ownership in in the in the cooperative. So that's a deal. If you if you if you buy a lifetime membership uh, to to be a member owner of the co-op, I'll give you 10% off on every drink you purchase for the rest of your life at the interchange theater that's a deal
0: that's good I like that a lot All right. thank you so much for everyone for listening today and we will see you next time here on the State of the Franchise podcast so long see ya bye thanks again for tuning into this week's episode if you like what you are hearing please remember to rate and review us it really does help in getting our name out there We are available now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And stay tuned for next episode where we'll be doing our first annual pizza franchise tournament where we'll be doing some blind taste testing and a lot more fun to be had. We'll look forward to seeing you then. Take care.